one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, the former West Ham, Norwich and England striker Dean Ashton and TalkSport football correspondent Alex Crook. After an epic week of European action, how will City's disappointment affect the title race? How long left on the clock? Ten seconds, referee says, that'll do! Real Madrid have pulled off one of the most miraculous escapes in Champions League history. But for the heroes dressed in white, there have to be chastened villains. And Manchester City will look at that and will wonder quite how it slipped away in the manner that it did. Saturday and Sunday, absolutely massive this week in the Premier League. The top four race may be effectively decided this weekend and Watford could be relegated. Chelsea look to hang on to third after uncertainty over their takeover. Tick, 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 that clock is running. And Burnley and Everton and Leeds fight to stay in the big time. All on the podcast that will well, probably get to about seven games in, think we've done a good job, get a bit clever, take off Dean Ashton, bring on Simone Zaza or something. It's the best Premier League preview of the weekend. It's the Game Day podcast from Talk Sport. This is Game Day. First of all, congratulations to Fulham and Bournemouth, who will be joining us next season on the Premier League podcast. Well done to Scott Parker and to Marco Silva. Um, how much of a relief was it that they're back in the big time? I know, Crookie, you were hobnobbing at Bournemouth in midweek, weren't you? And I was at Fulham as well, so I'm a lucky charm. <laughs> two games, uh, two, two pitch invasions, uh, one championship sealed and, and one promotion. I have to say, fantastic for Bournemouth, especially when you... When you look at the size and stature of some of the clubs that get relegated from the Premier League and, and almost never come back, their opponents, Nottingham Forest, being an obvious example, to get back within two years, OK, they've been aided by the parachute money and spent heavily in January, but I still think it's a fantastic achievement for Fulham. Mitrovic scoring 43 goals, shattering that second-tier record. And I think he will be better in the Premier League next season. He looks leaner, he looks fitter. And, and he's almost a, a poor man's Harry Kane in that he spends a lot of time now dropping into midfield and, and trying to orchestrate the play. So I think I think both of those sides will have a real good staying up next season, unlike Dean's former club, Norwich. Ah, yes. Well, uh, Dean, um, you and I are in Frankfurt at the moment. And, yes. Um, obviously, we've just about recovered from watching Real Madrid stun Manchester City and summon unbelievable powers of recovery. Um, we were watching it last night in a bar in Germany. And we just, we were, we couldn't believe it, could we? I mean, it was absolutely outstanding. I was, I always thought if they got a late goal, there would be a problem, but I didn't think they'd get two in stoppage time. To be fair to you, as soon as that first goal went in, I think it was on 90 minutes from Rodrigo, you went, 
they'll score again. <laughs> but they do. <laughs> and, that's and, what they do. And they did. It was it was incredible. And and you know we're just not used to seeing Manchester City in the Premier League look as vulnerable as mm. that and and as shaken as they as they were. So you wonder whether it is going to affect the Premier League. Whether other teams are going to go well. They are human, this Manchester City team. If we if we make it difficult for them, we can get a result. Mm. Yeah. Why did they take off Kevin De Bruyne? No idea. Crookie, any idea? <laughs> I'm, I'm loathe to batter him for that. It's an easy narrative to say, why did you make those changes when the game wasn't safe? But the game looked safe. They had Real Madrid at I don't think he did. I said well, to you, as soon as he took off De Bruyne, I went, what's he doing that for? Why is he doing that for? But it wasn't like Real Madrid were peppering the, the City goal. Was it not their, pretty much their first shot on target, certainly in the second that, half that when was, they got the equaliser? Actually, it took off to Brunner before City had scored. Listen, I, I don't necessarily think this one's on Pep. I think City just had a, a defensive meltdown. I think Adrian Durham summed it up last night quite well. He said they, they went from being Manchester City at their best to being Leeds defensively. I mean, <laughs> they were a shambles, weren't they? But uh, Are you sticking up for Pep because he wore a uh, black polo neck last night? well you you, you have to stick together in the polo uh, neck fraternity but I do think there's a problem you know psychologically when it comes to to the Champions League it's another season where he's not won it and actually if you look at the way that Man City have gone out of this competition it it tends to be via late drama so I I do think mentally there's an issue and that could spill out into the Premier League and they've lost Carl Walker to injury and I do think that made a, a big difference Okay, uh, so much to get through uh, this week on the podcast. We probably should tell at some stage our story about how we got from uh, Frankfurt to the real Frankfurt, but we'll probably, maybe we'll save that for social media. Uh, If you want to check out our Instagram, it's at at Sam Matterface if you want to have a look at it. There's an interesting journey from one side of Germany to the other that we had to go on. Uh, But uh, talking about journeys, Liverpool on the journey to try and chase down Manchester City. Well, late on Saturday night, this game's been moved because of the Champions League semi-final game against Villarreal, which doesn't really make sense to me because actually they probably would have been better moving last week's game to later in the day rather than this week's game. But anyway, uh, refreshed uh, Liverpool will have the opportunity to take on a Spurs side at uh, 7.45 at Anfield on Saturday night. And the question is probably how much did Tuesday night take out of Liverpool mentally? Because someone somewhere at some point is going to frighten one of these two teams, Dean. Can it be Spurs? Well, when I looked at the sort of last six or seven games um, a week or so ago, or a couple of weeks ago, this was the game I thought could be the the sticking point. Because if there's one team that know how to break against a a high line, it is Tottenham. Mm. They're magnificent at it. And Harry Kane is obviously crucial to that. Now, I watched Brighton play Tottenham and Basuma was outstanding. He just shadowed Harry Kane in front of him, made sure that ball didn't go into him. So for, I'm pretty sure it'll be Fabinho who's, who starts in that holding. That is going to be key because if you stop Harry Kane, I think Liverpool will win comfortably. If they can just stop Harry Kane getting the ball, they'll win the game comfortably. But if they don't, then that high line, they won't chase back Son. If he gets in behind, he's away. So I think this is the biggest game for Liverpool. And obviously, if we know that, and we've been talking about it, I spoke about it with Darren Ambrose on Drive on on Monday afternoon. We've spoken about it. You've mentioned it. The whole philosophy of Liverpool is to defend that that halfway line and Spurs love tossing balls in behind the Son to run on. Don't be surprised to see Joe Gomez play in this game. 
Really? Yeah, I think he will start Gomez because he's got that extra bit of pace, extra bit of power. He thinks more defensively mm. than, than Trent does. And that is the area. Kane coming in over the top of Matip, if it is him who plays, yeah. into that into that corridor. That left channel. And I suppose, as I was going to say, you know, if, we, if we've all spotted it, then Klopp has spotted it as well. And he will make adjustments as a result of that group. Yeah, it's, um, it's, I think it's interesting at both ends because Tottenham certainly had the weapons to hurt Liverpool, particularly if they do persist with that high line. Um, but defensively, I would worry about Spurs. I think Christian Romero has been exceptional, but I'm not convinced by those in and around him. Even in the Leicester game uh, last weekend, when Leicester obviously rested pretty much their entire first team, they did give chances away that Leicester didn't take. You can't afford to do that against Liverpool. But Liverpool looked human all of a sudden in the first half against Villarreal. So again, you do wonder mentally, you know, we're all talking about this quadruple. Probably that talk will intensify now because they have an easier Champions League final on paper, despite what Real Madrid have done in the competition this season. I'm sure that Liverpool would rather face them than Manchester City. And and that's going to get into players' heads and they will, whatever you say, players, the same as supporters, they look at fixtures and they think, well, this could be a tricky one. You know, if we get this one out of the way, the title suddenly moves onto the horizon, especially if Manchester City do suffer a Champions League hangover. So I think I'm not worried about Liverpool from a physical perspective um, because they're finely tuned athletes. They're ready to go again, what, four days later and the kickoff time has been moved. But mentally, I, I, I think I think it's going to come down now to a mental battle between City and Liverpool as to who gets their hands on that title. Of course, you know, it's, it's been quite a famous story that a couple of years ago, Jurgen Klopp lent on a German uh, psycho- uh, psychologist company that come in, sports psychologist company that come in specifically and deal with sports athletes and their mentality in big situations. He calls his team the mentality monsters because they're able to to use all those tools that they've been given over the last couple of years by these experts that are very good at focusing elite athletes' mindsets in periods of self-doubt and and worry. Um, so you wonder whether or not that might give them the edge just a little bit. They certainly showed that mentality in the game against Villarreal when they were all of a sudden 2-0 down and then they scored three goals in a blink of an eye and came back to it. But this isn't just a Liverpool story, no, Dean, is it? No, this not. is a Spurs story as well, isn't it? Because you know they haven't won at Anfield for 11 years and unless they do that, they're effectively handing control of the top four race to Arsenal because if they were to lose and Arsenal to win, the gap would be massive ahead of the North London derby. It would, yeah. I think... Um... Arsenal will be thinking before this weekend's games that this is the opportunity, isn't it? They, they'll expect they'll be expecting like us for Liverpool to beat Tottenham, um, and I just wonder if Tottenham are able to pull a result out. It's a bit like when you're down in the relegation zone, and like last week, Everton go and beat Chelsea. <laughs> you know, everyone around you just deflates you mm. before you've then got to play. I think this is the same for Tottenham. They must be thinking, can we go and get a result? that then Arsenal think, damn it, we think we're going to then beat Leeds comfortably and Tottenham have gone and won against Liverpool at Anfield. It's it's fascinating, but um, I think it's a difficult game for Tottenham. I, I think I think they have to rely more on, on Arsenal, which could easily happen as well. It's not as if Arsenal are guaranteed to go and win their last three games. No, and it's something that Frank Lampard said uh, after the game on Sunday, you know, it's all right having games in hand or it's mm. all right like, saying there's three games to go, but... 
you know, unless you're Manchester City or Liverpool, and that's not always even the case with those two, you cannot bank on people winning those games in hand. Can you bank on Burnley winning every game between now and the end of the season? The answer is probably not. Same with Everton, same with Leeds, same with Arsenal and Tottenham, who are all chasing prizes. I, I want to do a quick mention for Luis Diaz, uh, a signing in January for £37 million, maybe one of the best January signings for a very, very long time. Not transformative because Liverpool are already very good, but what he's done is he's given them an extra edge, an extra dimension, and he could end up the season with five medals around his neck combined with Liverpool and Porto. And he could end yeah. up showing Tottenham what they're missing this weekend as well because, of course, they basically did the legwork for Liverpool and that allowed Liverpool, who weren't planning on signing Diaz until the summer, to that, that, uh, that, nip, that's nip in and take him. not entirely true. Liverpool had already done the legwork, but there was a few clubs, including West Ham United, and we know this for a fact, um, that were also did a deal with Porto for Luis Diaz. The fact is, is that Luis Diaz actually just chose to go to Liverpool because but, he wanted Champions League football. But cro- Crookie, I want to ask you, how can a player that is clearly this good not have already been bought for way more than that? How have teams not thought, realised just how good this player is? Or is it a case of, He's gone to Liverpool and it's just clicked. I think he was highly rated. You know, I think he was on the radar, as Sam said, of a lot of clubs. But I don't necessarily think that even Jurgen Klopp expected him to come in and hit the ground running in quite the outstanding way that he has in the Premier League. It does uh, belie the myth, doesn't it? The players coming from lesser leagues (laughs) need time to settle because he's taken no time at all to settle. And I think that's been a welcome bonus for Liverpool because, as I say, I think he was more part of their plans uh, for the summer and beyond. So to have him in the kind of form that he is six months early, effectively, has been a real boost for their hopes, not just in the Premier League, but of course in, in, in Europe as well. Yeah, he did score 14 goals and delivered five assists in 18 league appearances for Porto before moving uh, to Anfield. So, I mean, he shouldn't have been a secret to anyone. Uh, if Spurs can't land the knockout blow in the Premier League title race, can Newcastle United when they play Manchester City at the Etihad at 430 on Sunday, and Newcastle a side that have made significant strides since January, and they face a wounded Manchester City, Ding. Yes, they do. Um, is it a good thing or not? Well, I mean, we'll find out whether it's a good thing, and, and like Crookie said, there could be that hangover, how it's affected them, how the morale's dropped, or it could be, especially a couple of the players that maybe didn't start um, against Real Madrid, come mm. in and Newcastle get their usual hiding off Manchester City because <laughs> they've not they've not exactly got a great record no. against Manchester City. But I was impressed with um, Eddie Howe's side against Liverpool. I thought they hung in there even though they gave away lots of lots of chances. And 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 they're a di- they're a totally different side, aren't they? From so, earlier on the totally season. And actually, this will be a tough game for Newcastle uh, for Manchester City. But I think I, th- I still. Th- I still expect Manchester City to win comfortably. I, I don't see anything changing in the Premier League anyway. One of those pain-in-the-backside games where you don't know who Pep's going to pick. So if you're doing a fantasy team, you just leave them all out and pick other players, right? Well, I don't think he'll be able to pick Carl Walker, who looked in trouble for quite a long time before he actually was forced off the pitch um, at the Bernabeu. So I think that's a problem. Um, you know, they've struggled uh, down that right-hand side when, when Carl Walker isn't fully fit. What worries me about this game from a Newcastle perspective is the, the truly dreadful record that Eddie Howe has uh, against Manchester City. I'm not sure he ever 
beat City as Bournemouth manager. I think they, they were the only member of the established you big six that he didn't. Him to, would you really? Well, no, be but it, no, but he conjured results against everybody else in that big six, but seemed to have a black spot when it came to Manchester City. I thought they were they were okay against Liverpool, if a little bit uninspiring and a little bit unambitious. Um, and away from home, I wouldn't expect them to exactly try and uh, take the game to Manchester City. I think if City can reset, if they can regroup, they, they should win. I don't think it'll be an avalanche of goals, but I think they'll have just enough to, to get a professional job done and, and bounce back to some kind of form. Also, I think, I mean, I, I look at things like, you know, when they have the big pictures done in the dressing room and how long that must take to, to you know, choreograph and get everyone in place. That was almost like, a, we've done it. We're safe. The job's done. Mm. Do you know what, lads? We're Crack done. On. Brilliant. Yeah. Relax. And it wouldn't surprise me if Newcastle don't really win a game now. They have their little flip-flops on. They had four mm. shots in that game against Liverpool. Uh, and admittedly, Eddie House said it wasn't their best performance. And he, you know, and he, I wonder whether or not that po- lack of potency is going to stop them uh, this week. Because if you can't get more than four shots against a Liverpool team that defend a high line, then how are you going to do so against a Manchester City team that have only conceded 21 goals in the Premier League and four, uh, eight of those have come against Liverpool and Tottenham over the course of the season. But uh, Alan Sam Maximan has certainly uh, got a, a view on this because he says, um, basically, if I, if, if I had a striker that could convert the chances I create, I would be up there in the assist leagues like you wouldn't believe. In fact, let's just make sure that I get this right so the quote is accurate. Those who have played with me know full well that when it comes to quality, I have no cause to be jealous of Sadio Mane, for example. The day I get a teammate who is able to convert the chances I create, I will have 10 to 15 assists every season. That will increase my profile. My aim is to leave a mark on people's minds and to change the rules in a similar way to what Michael Jordan has managed. He's a confident lad, isn't he? <laughs> I think I need to send that to the Newcastle forwards. Yeah, yeah. I well, mean, yeah. Is there any Newcastle forwards? Oh, yeah, Chris Wood. You know, he's on the bench most of the time now. That's harsh. They don't really play that, but they didn't play with one last week, did they? No, no, they didn't. No, Joe Linton's been playing there, hasn't he? Yeah, sort of. But he was playing as a deeper sort of fourth nine character. Yes, last week. So interesting to see what happens with that. But, but then is that is that sort of him hinting? Either that they need to buy a striker, obviously, or yeah. that he'll have to go somewhere else to find someone that can put away these unbelievable chances that he's clearly creating. I think it's more of a sort of call to arms. Get me a decent striker. Because I think he wants to be a part of it. He can see where the club is going and how much money they've got. Why would you want to leave Newcastle United right now? Um, to win things? He might think he can... He, well, he's Michael Jordan. He thinks he can, he can <laughs> inspire them to it. He's got, he's got seven titles on the he's way, got, Sue. Yeah, don't you worry about that. Um, yeah, that City defence is going to be difficult to breach, isn't it? They, they really have uh, tightened up at the back this season. And the best defences win leagues, don't they? Yeah, they do, yeah. I think the way that Manchester City play and control the ball is, I think, the main reason why teams don't get the chances. Because you don't have the ball. You've got to get the ball to actually have the, the opportunity and the way that Manchester City keep the ball. And then, of course, the way that they um, work out of possession makes them just such a difficult team to even create chances. It's, it's not like Edison is making lots of saves and therefore that you can have that positivity of creating chances and it's then just down to you whether you put them away. He's pretty much just a playmaker most of the time. He basically doesn't need his hands most of the time. He can just get involved in the play. He was a bit dicey, though, wasn't he, in that game on a Wednesday night? A couple of times. I was I had, I had a heart attack. I know he made the goal with a 
unbelievable pass, which sort of started with him getting pressed relentlessly, and that was giving me a heart attack. But actually, for one of the guy, one of the goals, he went to go and meet it and didn't quite get there mm. at the near post, which I thought was a bit. I thought he had a bit of an iffy night on Wednesday night. Okay, let's move on. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. If Spurs lose and Arsenal win against Leeds United at two o'clock on Sunday, the gap going into the North London derby um, will be five points. And that is a huge, huge gap at this stage of the season. And it will give Arsenal a privilege. They'll be able to dictate how that game is played. Spurs will have to throw everything at them. And even then, if they win, it will still be in Arsenal's hands, Crookie. Yeah, this feels like a, a massive weekend of opportunity uh, for Arsenal, you've got that scoreboard pressure if Tottenham did somehow uh, pick up a victory against Liverpool, which would uh, crank up Arsenal's need for victory. But this is a great fixture for Arsenal. You, you know, you look at Leeds against Manchester City last weekend, another demoralising defeat, four more goals conceded, two more key players injured. Uh, Stuart Dallas for the rest of the season, Liam Cooper, uh, probably unlikely to feature this weekend as well. Still no Patrick Bamford. So... I think Mikel Arteta will know what a chance this is, particularly given what you've said, that they would rather go into that North London derby without having to force the issue and, and allowing Tottenham to try and force it on them. And, and obviously this is a game that's going to have big ramifications down at the bottom of the table as well. It's hard to see Leeds getting out of their slump at the moment, particularly when you look at their next two fixtures. Uh, this one followed by a game against Chelsea. I know Chelsea aren't pulling up any trees, but they're still a much better side. Um, the Leeds, and, and you just can't see Leeds defensively being able to live with that kind of opponent. You call it a slump. The, the truth is, is that prior to the weekend's game against Manchester City, they'd actually gone five unbeaten Leeds United. Um, but those wins and draws were against Norwich, Wolves, Southampton, Watford and Crystal Palace. So coming up against the calibre of a team against Manchester City really showed what they're all about. 
And I would expect Arsenal, who I think have led 3-0 on each of the last two times that they've played uh, Leeds United at half-time, um, will go on and put them to the sword, won't they? I would expect so, yeah. I mean, if you look historically at Arsenal at home against what you would class as the so-called weaker teams or teams that have been promoted in the last couple of seasons, they've always seemed to just brush them aside and, and Leeds haven't beat Arsenal in the last eight games either. But I think Crookie's absolutely right. I think the injuries are so key. Cooper and Dallas, who you would say are their, you know, two of their best defensive players. And driving forces in terms of personalities. Exactly. And to lose them um, when they just looked like defensively they were getting somewhere, a couple of clean sheets against Palace and, and Watford, and then all of a sudden... Again, four goals against City is not that's not a disaster. That that's one nil against most teams, mm. four nil against City. But it's these injuries, I think, are key to, to Leeds. And they're in massive But don't trouble. blame Bielsa, whatever you do, don't blame Bielsa for overtraining them. I mean, Jesse Marsh <laughs> had to backtrack <laughs> when he said he'd probably been working too hard under Bielsa, and that's why they're all getting injured. And then he was like, Oh, no, I didn't mean it. I would no. never ever have a go at uh, the Don that is Marcelo Bielsa, who'd lost six games in a row before he arrived. But they are in big trouble. Mm, they are. They are in massive, massive trouble, Leeds. And it's, again, I talk about that game that Everton had against Chelsea. This is the time of the season where you have to produce a result that's not expected. Mm. This might have to be one. It just, that, that's the way it is down. If you want to survive, you, imagine you have Leeds to win games. Arsenal this weekend. I mean, that would be the most Spursiest thing that Arsenal could do. Is, <laughs> it's just, that couldn't happen, could it, Crook? Well, they do have a bit of previous, don't they? I remember when they were struggling um, and they actually beat Arsenal at Highbury to hand the Premier League title to Manchester United. All right, you're going 115 back. years ago. <laughs> you're going back a long time, but Arsenal fans have... Uh, Still got memories there. Actually, there have been some videos of Mark Viduka, it was, who got the, the important goal in the 3-2 win circulating on social media this week. So maybe that will give uh, Leeds players a bit of motivation. But like Everton, I think if Leeds are going to stay up, it will be at Ellen Road, you know, with that vociferous home crowd, their 12th man. I can't see them getting anything in North London. And of course, there's a lot more character and personality in that Arsenal dressing room now. And all of that is down to Aaron Ramsdale. I don't know if anyone's got... Uh, Lucy, uh, have you got um, some, some sort of... Some Taylor Swift here? Some Taylor Swift? You know, you, you must do a big Taylor Swift band, Alex. What, what's her favourite, fa- uh, famous song? My daughter's a Taylor Swift fa- fan, but I can't name a song, I have to say. Shake it up. Is it Shake It Off? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's the one. Or, or what about, um, what's that advert that they used to have back in the 80s? Uh, shaken back, put the freshness back. That was the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a bit of that. Yeah. Stale smells up here often come from down there in your carpet. Well, shaken back from Gladys here. It's all you have to do. Do the shaken back and put the freshness back. Do the shaken back and put the freshness back. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and this is because uh, Aaron Ramsdale says that Mikel Arteta asked him to shake up the Arsenal dressing room. Um, he told me, as soon as I got there, to be myself, try and shake up the dressing room, be confident. Uh, there was definitely people saying, hold on a minute, <laughs> I've been relegated for the second time and 24 million quid is a lot of money, especially for what is reported as a number two goalkeeper. It was getting a bit of criticism, but I didn't think that when I'd signed, I'd be in straight away. The manager was up front with me and said, it might take you a year, it might take you six months, but we don't see you as a number two. It just depends on how the team is doing. Thankfully for me, they were in a tough moment at the start of the season. I just got thrown in and I've been there ever since. To be fair to him, 
he has. I mean, he was only there for like a couple of weeks before he was in goal. I'm going to let Crookie do this because well, he, he loves that. He loves that. Exactly. Yeah. Couldn't have been more positive when he went there. Yeah, he when was. People he was so maybe, happy about it. Maybe negative oh, about him, Crookie. i got best friend in the Arsenal dressing <laughs> room. <laughs> oh, do you want to play golf, Aaron? No, do you know what it is? It's actually because, again, that interview sums up the very point I made when he signed and the point that you derided, Sam, that Aaron Ramsdale was an excellent deride. signing because of his was... personality. And you went, oh, that's all right then. 24 million quid for a goalkeeper who's relegated twice because he's got personality. But actually, that's exactly what Arsenal needed. And Mikel Arteta was aware of that. The fact he's been almost faultless on the pitch, I think, is an added bonus. And it did help that he was sat in the stands. His first game, I think, was Manchester City away when Bert Leno conceded five. The only way as a goalkeeper after that is up. But I think listen, he's up there probably with Bukayo Saka as Arsenal's player of the year. And if they do get into the Champions League, he will have played a big part. I thought he might be able to challenge Jordan Pickford uh, for the number one jersey at the World Cup. I don't think that will happen now because I think Southgate is Lord to Pickford. And actually, as we saw last week against Chelsea, Pickford is a very good goalkeeper. Despite no, but the fact I, I that he think gets you're right in that he is challenging him. And I think that is important. I don't, you know, I'd, I'd also say he's better with his feet, Ramsdale. Yes, than he Pickford. is. Yeah. Pickford's yes. got a good left foot, but I think his array of short passing, passing banging exa- out to pick exactly. out people in small gaps. Yeah. You know, I think I think I think he will push him all the way. I until, think and until that's, the and that's that is what you need. Yeah. I mean, actually, I think maybe Jordan's performances have improved because he knows how good Ramsdale mm. has been. And I think that, you know, that is him challenging him. So having two goalkeepers that have been brilliant and you know, we're kind of in a fortunate position because Dean Henderson hasn't played any football. So Gareth's quite lucky in that he doesn't have to choose between three. He's only got to choose between two because uh, you know, uh, if Henderson was playing, you would imagine him to be. Also with Ramsdale, what I've there. noticed is when you're there, if you, what's great, obviously when you're there, you can just have a pan around and see and watch individual players. He's really good with the crowd. Mm. Really good. Really yeah, good in engaging it. the crowd. Yeah. When he makes a save, he reacts to the crowd. I think that's been so important for Arsenal in getting this unity is to pull the crowd back in. Mm. And I think he's been a big part of that. No, that's definitely something that uh, Mikel Arteta talks about, the energy around the place and why they've been so successful. They don't crumble in moments where maybe they would have done before. He referred to that during the Manchester United game when they were under the cosh. The crowd didn't go away from them, even when they conceded the penalty. They stayed with them. And then, you know, obviously Ramsdale did the Martin Keown uh, homage right up in the face (laughs) of Bruno Fernandes. And uh, they went on and won that game. Um, So, you see, he's he's done brilliantly and uh, he's a nice lad as well. So we're, we're, we're lucky as England to have him, that is for sure. Antonio Rudiger's going to have another go for goal here. Rudiger, oh, what a goal! What a hit from Antonio Rudiger! Fully 35 yards out, smacks it into the corner of the nest. As Wolves come forward, cross into the area, and it's headed towards goal! And we have the equaliser! And it's headed into the back of the net by Ruben Neves! Enoch and Wepu pulls it back, it's going to be Trossard! Brighton lead! Leandro Trossard! Fires it home! In towards Ronaldo with a header! They've scored from the corner now! And Cristiano Ronaldo gets his 59th career hat-trick! on Saturday, big game of the week, Brighton against Manchester United. Last season, Manchester United was so good away from home. I don't think they even lost a game in the Premier League, Uh, but they've been defeated in their last four Premier League trips away from home. Um, 
obviously, I mean, I suppose the key point in here is is that no one cares what happens in this game. Um, <laughs> and Brighton actually, and, Br- and Brighton um, are the only ones really with anything to play for because they want to finish in the top half of the table. So it's more of a Brighton story this than than a Manchester United story. I think Crook. It's always a Manchester United story when the when the Red Devils are in town. No question. Uh, about that. I was down at Brighton um, earlier this week, actually speaking to Enoch Mwepu and, and Joel Veltman. Veltman, very interesting uh, on working under Eric Ten Hag. You can hear that interview on Darren Bent's boot room this Sunday night. But Mwepu was that talking openly. Well, yeah, it was a specific uh, oh, well, chat what's, for what's the boot the point? room. What's, what's the point of doing a, a, you know, We've got a live game, Brighton versus Man United. You did an interview for a show that goes out after the live game. Why did you do that? Mm, because we were talking about Ten Hag, not necessarily oh. this particular fixture. Well, that would be a good feature for our game, though. We should just nick that, I think. <laughs> well, you've got Enoch Mwepu, um, who interestingly was talking openly about Brighton being European challengers next season, which is the first time uh, that I've heard anybody uh, connected to the club um, admit that to being an ambition. I'm not sure you get Graham Potter to say it, but they've, they've had a decent season, Brighton, quietly. It's been it's been peaks and troughs. They went 11 games without a win. They they didn't manage to score a single goal against Norwich, um, which takes some doing. So I still think they're probably a centre-forward short of being able to challenge for those top seven, top eight positions. But they're relishing the challenge of taking on a Manchester United side. We all know we're there for the taking. It was a much better United performance against Brentford on Monday. But how much of that was due to the fact that United up their level and or was it that Brentford have got their flip-flops on? I guess we'll find out this weekend because I think it will be a, a much more difficult game. But I feel, I think Ralph Randnick is determined to try and end the season on a high and, and salvage something from what's been a pretty dismal tenure. Um, look, there was a big report in one of the papers this morning, Dean, that uh, Manchester United Chiefs are facing a huge fight to keep Cristiano Ronaldo, 37, uh, who is still one of the most marketable names in football. I mean, that, that sentence itself actually sends a shiver down the spine. Um, five times winner, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, could be on his way out. Would you keep him if you were Eric Ten Hag? Uh, yes, just a bit. I mean, the problem Manchester United have got is that he has shown that he still has what it takes to be an elite, elite centre-forward in any league in the world, in the Champions League, that's not an issue. That's been shown. In fact, he's been unbelievable. I think he's got nine in his last six in the Premier League. 24 and, and, goals all season. And, actu- and, and actually, having watched all the rest of his play, he's got he's got better in the last few weeks. Mm. You know, he's all around against Arsenal. He's brilliant, coming short, flicking around the corner for Elanga, getting involved in the play, took his goal really well. Same against Brentford. Excellent coming and linking the play. Chasing back. You know, making tackles on the halfway line just has looked superb for me. And maybe he he'll have to make the decision. I would have thought, do I want do I really fit believe that Ten Hag and the signings that he's gonna have to make and the players that are leave, is that gonna be enough for me? Well it, when it, I, when I could be playing in the Champions League for a team and, and maybe win another title with the team. Who, who for though, Dean? Who's, who realistically is going to match the wages that he's earning at, at Manchester United and give him that chance of playing Champions League football? And also, he, he, he did sort of make it pretty clear, I think, when he scored the goal the other night. I'm yeah, staying too. here, you know, yeah. pointing to the floor and saying, pointing to himself and then I'm staying here. He sort of, he sort of, Gave that impression, I thought, when he was celebrating the goal. And also, Manchester United, I mean, you know what they're like. They're more interested in selling shirts. Their new shirts coming out for the new season. If they've got Seven and Ronaldo available to sell, they're more than happy with that. But other clubs will be looking at that around Europe, surely. But no one sells more than Manchester United. No. And they've got a rebuild to pay for. (laughs) 
But I think he's got pride in himself in terms of, I think it will have hurt him to have played in that side this season. Mm. And he'll feel like it's been a wasted season. He, he will, because... It is the season that he became the world's top scorer ever. So I suppose that there, there, there are sort of positives for him to but take. But he would have done that anyway. But he, I, I understand he got a little bit frustrated halfway through the season. In fact, he said privately to someone um, who I know um, that uh, he was fed up, the young English boys, and that they need to be shipped out or shape up. Well, I think there's a few, there's plenty in that squad that I think are nowhere near his levels of commitment mm. and, uh, and and drive as, as he's got. And, and that's the big job, isn't it, for, for Ten Hag, is to bring in players that I think are happy for Ronaldo to turn around and have a right go at them and, and take it as, yep, yeah, got that, yeah. I'm on it, and this, I want to be part of that. But is he too much of a big personality? Does he detract from the new manager coming in? Does he, does he take too much of the limelight? And that was an, certainly an accusation when he came back into the dressing room in August. Well, it's interesting that the interview that you've mocked um, with Joel Veltman, I asked him about Ten Hag's ability to <laughs> handle big egos. I was just winding you up. Players like Cristiano Ronaldo, and he said absolutely uh, he can handle big egos. And actually, he would expect him uh, to find a role for Cristiano Ronaldo, not only on the pitch, but as a big voice in the dressing room as well. He doesn't think he'd be daunted um, by that personality, whereas maybe some incoming managers might be. So like you, Sam, I thought him pointing to the pitch and then to his badge uh, was a, a message to the Stratford end. I'm staying next season. And I think if he can maintain this level of form, he will give Manchester United a much better chance of being successful. Yes, long term, you, you need to find a, a successor. But at the moment, when you've got, albeit a 37-year-old, scoring goals and producing that kind of performance, you have to keep him and you have to play him. Sounds like it's going to be a really good interview, this Joel Verman one. I can't wait for Should it. we put it on a better, a more sort of like primetime programme, do you think, maybe? You think that's probably a good idea? But, but we've got Mwepu. Oh, yeah, we've got Mwepu on Saturday, that's true. You'll oh, find okay. the, the, the boot room, you know, 33% up in what? listener share. What? So, uh, what? <laughs> what, is that your, your, your we'll, mum, we'll take your that. dad? Yeah. <laughs> your, your millions of kids are listening. Great. Uh, right. We'll talk about Burnley, Aston Villa, Chelsea, Wolves, Crystal Palace versus Watford, and Leicester Everton in the next section. But first, let's say hello to Lucy. Hello. Oh, we've missed you. We haven't heard you for ages. You all right? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. How's the dog? Uh, the dog, yeah, he's he's fine. Uh, he's bigger than ever. He's hit 35 kgs. Jeez, God, that's like as big as one of Crookie's legs. No, he is a unit. He is. <laughs> uh, Crookie or the or, or Teddy? No, both. <laughs> All right. Um, and and, and are, you, are you still in love? Well, you probably... Whoa, whoa, hold on a second what, there. What, from, from there's a bit of hesitation. View, yes. <laughs> there's a bit of hesitation there. Did you hear that? <laughs> All right, okay. So what's what, what's going on? Are you, uh, you, you you're still dating Dan? Yeah, we're we're still happily living together as well at the minute. Oh, good. Um, Is he in the room? No, no, he's he's still in bed because it's oh, his yeah. day off. All right, but I would okay. like to be really. <laughs> All right, okay. I think you've probably told us enough there, Lucy. Let's crack on with a quiz. <laughs> right. So this week's quiz, we're going to have a look at Saturday's game, Brentford against Southampton. The big one. I always get given the big ones. Sam, let's start with you. Over the years, Southampton have suffered some heavy defeats, like when Man United smashed them 9-0. But can you tell me, Sam, what's Southampton's biggest away win in the club's history? Oh, I think it's... um, 7-1. Incorrect, Dean, I'll throw to you. 
Yes. This wasn't that long ago. I'm going to go 8-2. No, Crook. Wow, not that long ago. that long ago. That means Crook should know, seeing as he's a South Coast correspondent. 6-0. Incorrect. It's 8-0 when they demolished Newport in the Carabao Cup. Oh, Oh, yeah, they did, yeah. Shane Long even scored, I think. Right, Dean. What is the capacity of the Brentford Community Stadium? It's not that much, is it? So, Chris... I'm going to go for 22 and a half. I think it's 20. Okay. And Sam? I think it's 20, 21. Crook gets the point. It's 17,250. Is, is it? Is it? That is low. Are you sure about that, Luz? I am sure about that. I'm questioning my research. 17,250. What was the record attendance, do you reckon? That, roughly, surely, sell out. 17,094 against Manchester United on the 19th of January. I was there for that one. See, anyway, sorry, Luz, all, always, a bi- always a big deal. <laughs> Crook, previously, Brentford played at Griffin Park. Named after a mythical creature, which is a mixture of two animals. Can you tell me them animals? Absolutely not. Can I jump in? Yeah, go on. You know it. I don't know it, but I think it's a. I think it's a phoenix and a a dragon. Incorrect. Or an eagle. Dean, have a go. Is it not? These are actual animals as well. Yeah. Is it not some kind of bird with a? Yeah, it's a bird and a with a with a bee's backside or something like that. So you've already bird with a bee's backside. I mean, just thinking about that anatomically, that's going to be quite difficult, isn't it? Bearing in mind a bird is <laughs> but, quite big but, and a bee is... But, it, but it's a mythical creature. Right, okay. So Go you've on. already said an eagle, Sam. That is half of it. Okay. Do I get half a point? Yeah. No, actually, I'll give you one because it's difficult. Oh, it is difficult. And right, what's the on, other Dean. animal? It's a lion. A lion? Is it? is it really? Yeah. Oh, I would never have got that. Oh, that's impressive. All right, Luce, what's the scores of the doors? Scores of the doors are Darren slash Dean. He's still in the lead, 19.5. Sam, you're very close behind, 19. Oh. And then Crook, third place, 17 points. Yeah. Because you always give me the hardest question. (laughs) Don't have a go at her. Burnley against Aston Villa is Saturday at three o'clock and Villa ruthless last week. They beat Norwich City, relegated them. Can they cause Burnley extra pain, Dean? I'm not sure they can, no. Uh, they're so inconsistent, Aston Villa. I know that they beat beat Norwich, but um, again, I just think whatever Michael Jackson has done at Burnley to free up the players um, has worked. And what's impressed me is the fact that they're all of a sudden look like scoring goals. You know, they've scored more than one a game in their last five compared to um, way below one a game in their, in their previous 29. It's, it's quite a turnaround actually, I've got to say. Yeah. 10 points from four games is pretty impressive. And, And he's rotated a bit. It's not like he's just gone. There's the team and everyone's, it's kind of a collective. Vidra's come in, 
produced. Yeah. McNeil looks a different player again. Brownhill's chipping in. I just think he's he's not tweaked too much, but he's just must have freed them up. I don't there's clearly there was an issue there, wasn't there, with yeah. Daesh and maybe the players and a lost message, I think, in the end. And it's just freed up the players. And and I really fancy Burnley to win this. Yeah. Really do. Villa have kept four clean sheets in their last seven away games. Can they keep Burnley out this weekend, Crook? Because Burnley can't keep going on being great, can they? I mean, they've been rubbish for two years and then all of a sudden they've started to put together a string of results. That can't last, surely. Yeah, you do wonder uh, how much longer they can keep riding the, the crest of away. But I think Aston Villa are, are probably, uh, again, a decent opponent to play at the stage of the season when you're in desperate need for points. And they aren't, having said that, I think Steven Gerrard... Uh, has been a bit frustrated with some of their recent performances and results. He'll want to end the season strongly and avoid that situation where if you finish one season badly, it can limp on into the next. And I think we've seen the financial cost uh, for Burnley in terms of if they were to be relegated laid bare this week is something that we've been talking about on this podcast um, and on the Sunday session and, and the boot room for about some time. It. I know they've been giving us a lot of stick about it, but we've warned them that there is a big problem if they go down and it's been shown up this week by uh, the release of their accounts, Crook. Yeah, basically, um, the, the new owners purchased the club effectively using their own money. They took out loans um, against the football club. And if they were to be relegated, then a substantial amount of those loans would have to be paid back. It's even been suggested to me the former owners uh, have some kind of buyback option if the club are relegated from the Premier League. Um, I was warned uh, about Alan Pace when he was trying to head a consortium taking over a rival Premier League football club. He said... I think Sam quoted him a couple of times. You've never seen an owner like me before. We've seen plenty of owners um, with no money, pal. So um, I think you can take that claim back. And it is a worry. It's a worry for Burnley if they were to go down. You know, the the, the future of the club, I think, would be in jeopardy. Um, Chelsea against Wolves is Saturday, three o'clock. I mean, ultimately, this game is about Chelsea trying to rebuild a little bit ahead of the FA Cup final, which is a week away now. And Wolves have lost seven of their last 10 matches. They seem to have sort of not down tours, that would be a little bit, but they've taken their foot off the gas a little bit. Can't they were swept aside by Brighton. Can't score a goal. No, they haven't scored in the last three. And, and lost all three of those. Jimenez has been sort of brought out. Um, yeah, they just... It's, it's, it's a weird one, if I'm honest, from, from Bruno Lage's side, because at one point they looked so consistent and looked like they weren't going to concede a goal and could, could, uh, could, could, could win games 1-0 or 2-0. Or, or and all of a sudden, again, I, I just think it's that I've been there. It's when you've got nothing to play for and the manager starts thinking, well, I, I might play this player because we want to see him before the end of the season. Or we, you know, from above, they're saying, well, we want to sell this player. He needs to play and get, you know. Sh-. So I think they're in that position where they've got not, not a lot to play for. But they still can get in Europe, can't they? Albeit probably the Conference League now, Crook. Yeah, they can. And I think that would be an achievement um, for Wolves because a, a lot of us doubted Bruno Large uh, when he came in uh, and thought they might struggle against relegation. They haven't done that. Credit to him because they've, they're they not a team who score a lot of goals. They're not a team who are particularly pleasing on the eye, actually. Um, and, and we touched on it on the weekend podcast about some possible issues, uh, the training grounds, the fallouts with key players like Raul Jimenez, who finds himself in and out of the team at this moment in time. I spoke to somebody closely associated with Wolves yesterday and he was suggesting to me that Bruno Large needs a strong end to the season, not necessarily in terms of results, but in performances and he needs to 
show the powers to be that the players are still behind him. Otherwise, uh, his position could come under scrutiny in, in the summer, which would seem harsh when we're talking about them as European contenders, but all is certainly not well um, at Molyneux or on the training ground. That is interesting. Uh, Crystal Palace against Watford, three o'clock Saturday. Watford will be relegated this weekend if Burnley and Leeds get a point because they can only get 34 now. Um, Watford, basically, they're, they're going down, aren't they? I mean, even, even at their very best, they'd struggle to beat Crystal Palace away from home, wouldn't they? And they've lost each of their last five matches. I think the last game said everything about Watford, which was at home, 1-0 up. You'd think, you know, try and have a strong end to the season. And then you lose two goals in the last 10 minutes against Burnley. And I think that just sums them up. There, there's, there is some quality there. There's no doubt. There's some quality in that side. But as a team, collectively, I think you have to look at, similar to Norwich, there's just not enough quality. Throughout the spine of the team, there isn't anywhere near enough quality to really have competed in this league. Have you, uh, have you got your coaching badges, by the way? Have I? Yeah. No. Oh, it's going to be putting your name forward for the Watford manager's job because they're sort of running out of people that are qualified now who haven't done it yet. Yeah. Um, any news on who might take it? Because Roy has now officially announced that he's leaving, even though we told you that a couple of weeks ago. You know what's quite interesting, actually? There's a few clubs who are looking for new managers um, this summer, not just in, in the Premier League, but in the, in the Championship uh, as well. Queen's Park Rangers, obviously, uh, Mark Warburton is leaving. Um, could be a change at West Bromwich Albion, although I think Steve Bruce wants to stay there. But what I'm hearing, the, the shortlist, both at Watford and Queen's Park Rangers, features a lot of similar names. Liam Manning, uh, MK Dons, um, for example, well, I saw Hammer Plymouth last weekend. He's done a really good job there. Um, this guy, James Robry, uh, Newport County, who's relatively new uh, to the management game, doesn't have a, a fantastic playing career behind him. But I think clubs like Watford are going to go away from the Roy Hodgson, the Sean Dyche type managers and look for up-and-coming young coaches. Uh, John Eustace that, is another. They? They've, 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 they've gone into the European market and usually taken a gamble on someone who hasn't got... I mean, Cisco, I mean, he, I don't think he'd managed a team, had he, before he'd managed Watford. But I think they're looking like, for a young reserves. British coach. Um, I guess this is the one thing they haven't really tried, um, the Watford owners. So I think it'll be interesting. I think Liam Manning is a fantastic coach. And I think whoever gets him this summer, and I do expect him to leave MK Dons, will, will have a very good appointment on their hands. They could all be up in the championship anyway, couldn't they? Because they're they're in the playoffs uh, from League One. So it could be that they, after missing out on automatic promotion, they could end up in the championship by the players. We shall see. We'll follow all those games, by the way. All the playoffs are on Talk Sport and Talk Sport 2. Um, Leicester versus Everton. This is massive, isn't it, for Everton? Leicester haven't won any of their last four Premier League games and they take on Everton this Sunday. And although Everton's away form has been probably woeful is about the best description I can come up with against Liverpool the other week actually they did okay yes they did and again I think what that would have done for them and the confidence that result against Chelsea I think could be absolutely absolutely massive I think when you when when you're down there and you haven't picked up wins and you've struggled as much as they have um, a win against Chelsea, I think, is is vital for morale and belief to get out of it, and crucial because of what happened to uh, to Burnley Crook. So, and and they'll be looking and thinking, we need to we need to reel in leads here, don't they? And and this is a great opportunity against a side that will have played in Europe tonight. Yeah, I guess we'll only know if this is that the Chelsea game was truly the start of a revival for Everton after this game because. At this stage of the season, stringing back to back wins together uh, when you really need them is a tremendous uh, test of character. 
I do think it's a good time to be going to Leicester for the reasons that you mentioned, Dean. They obviously had the game against Roma uh, on Thursday night, which has very much been their focus this week, trying to reach the club's first ever European final. I think you'll rest a few, um, Brendan Rodgers. So if Everton can produce the same kind of commitment and attitude they did at home against Chelsea, they have a chance. But you have to caveat that and say, as Sam has already mentioned, their away record is utterly dismal. Yeah, but um, I think they've raised themselves in uh, games against Manchester United, games against Chelsea, played well against Liverpool. I think, to be honest with you, any questioning of the the job that Frank Lampard has done is probably a little bit of a, a moot point now, bearing in mind the points that they picked up at home in comparison to what he, that, what they did before he he turned up. I mean, the, the, the figures are ridiculous. I mean, they were put into a tight spot because of what happened in October, November and December. And, and that has really caused Everton their grief. And now if they can pull away from this, it will be particularly impressive. And I think that is the big game on Sunday, actually, Everton away at Leicester. And um, we were given uh, an option for next midweek because we've got live games in midweek because there's a lot of displaced games still to play before the FA Cup final, before conclusion of the season. And um, Watford against Everton came up and we snapped that one up on TalkSport. That's next Wednesday night because... Obviously, if Leicester were to be beaten or Leicester to get... So any, whatever happens on Sunday, it's still a story for Everton next Wednesday. And that game, that Watford-Everton game, is going to be live and only on TalkSport. It's not on the television. It's not on any other radio station. It's only on TalkSport. So we're delighted to bring that one to you. Uh, Will you be to, wearing your Frank Lampard 8 jersey? Uh, I don't have one of those, actually. Um, but um, if I did, I would, yes, as a second skin. <laughs> um <laughs> I might have to just hide the tattoo, though. I love Frank.com. <laughs> um, Norwich against West Ham, two o'clock on Sunday. Uh, Nor- Norwich are already down, and, and West Ham haven't won any of their last four league fixtures because they're concentrating on this game in Frankfurt that we, we, we've been at and are at. Um, so I imagine this game could go either way, couldn't it? I mean, this could, yeah, I mean, might as well. Norwich might actually win. Watford might end up being bottom as a result of it. <laughs> <laughs> The, oh, the, the Dean Ashton Derby. Uh, it's got oh, nil yeah. nil. Do you, do you, have you been invited, like, to, like corporately to this game, Norwich against West Ham? Because this is ba- you straddle both camps. I, I yeah, I, I did, but I left Norwich for for uh, for a move, didn't I? What? So they don't like you as a result of that? Wow! Join the club. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're they're a bit touchy, aren't they? No, no, it's not like nothing like that. No, oh. I just you still we, live there? The don't you? I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, Norwich West Ham is it's, it's a big it's a big fixture for. No, it's not. No. Um, no, no. Okay. No. 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 <laughs> no, no. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, live from Frankfurt. Appreciate that. Uh, we, eventually in Frankfurt. Yes. Because of course we landed in Frankfurt Hahn. Well, it's not really Frankfurt at all. It's just Hahn, uh, which is about 121 kilometers away from Frankfurt. We booked the airport hotel in actual Frankfurt, uh, and then realised that we were miles away. It was a provincial airport. There were no cabs around, no Uber available. Uh, so our producer, Sal, hijacked a West Ham supporters coach. And uh, you and I jumped on that. Well, I, I thought it was a joke to start with. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Looking back on it, it still feels like one big practical joke. <laughs> and we went on this 121-kilometre ride with these uh, West Ham fans we never met. And they absolutely love Dean Ashton. Uh, there is, a, there's quite a lot of, uh, I mean, we can give you a little taste of the audio if you want to hear it. This is what happened when we got in. So we've landed in uh, Frankfurt for the Europa League semi-final and uh, we landed at the wrong Frankfurt. So me and Dean Ashton are in Frankfurt Harm, which is 121 kilometers from actual Frankfurt. 
There was no cabs available. So what do we do? Yeah. We met these boys, the West End guys. So very lucky to have met these boys. Uh, we've got Dan, Taylor, Ryan, and Jim in the back there who allowed us to hijack their minibus, which is great. Um, so we can go all the way to Frankfurt. Now we've been very disciplined so far. Oh, how, willpower. How many times have you been offered a beer? We've only been in the cab 47 seconds. 47 times. Four times. So how many beers are in there? Okay. Okay. So, so the good news is, is that if we do get into a situation where we're slightly uh, worried about the traffic, we've been in here for too long. We'll just have a beer and we'll be fine, won't it? Yeah. We sound better on the radio when we've had a beer anyway. All right. Who's going to win tomorrow? West Ham United. Let's hope so. Yeah, and it, and it just continued like that, really. I mean, I ended up doing a quiz for them, a Dean Ashton quiz, which they did okay. They ha people have to go to your Instagram to see it, because yeah. just picture a big minibus with me and you squeezed into, <laughs> you know, in the minibus, this passenger seat is not really fit for two people. No. So there's me and you squeezed in the front. That's true. With the lads in the back and poor producer Sal right in the back corner, <laughs> stopped off for a, for a load of bottles of beer for them. It was, it was double lively. It, it was <laughs> It's definitely lively. That's definitely uh, a way to put it. But it was all worth it. It's all part of the being on tour trip. And yes. we are talk sport and we are powered by fans. In this case, quite literally. Uh, right, okay. We're back uh, on uh, Monday when... Well, probably Monday afternoon, actually. We're going to do it Monday morning this week because uh, there's a lot happening on Sunday. Uh, so we'll be back with you sort of Monday lunchtime, Monday afternoon. Uh, we're not only uh, on uh, the uh, Spotify and the Google podcast and the Apple podcast, but we'll also be on YouTube on, on Monday afternoon as well. So join us for that. Tell all your friends about the Game Day podcast from TalkSport and uh, make sure you keep listening to all the live football. There's quite a lot of it over the weekend. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.